0: You know all the whack energy? Oh, to beat sorry West Brom on the opening day, Vardy at the double, Castagne is the best player in the world, I'm top of the fancy football league and I might have changed my mind on the away kit. All this on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and alongside me is Rob Hayes after Rob,
1: a 3-0, we've only gone and done a win. We've only gone and welcomed football back with a win with a Vardy brace haven't we all this all this doom and gloom's a load
0: of rubbish absolute nonsense Vardy's only gone and done a goal and two and uh, someone else who no one knows or has seen before has gone and done another goal as well fantastic easy this football malarkey but what a start in terms of the win in terms of scoring goals in terms of getting Vardy off the mark it's is what you want for an opening day win, and in this crazy world of football at the moment, with all that's going on, it is very difficult. As I look down upon my notes that I took during the game, and after every note I've put, West Brom dreadful, and also in this, in, and basically in this crazy world, it doesn't mean a single thing. This win because it was like a training game. It, it was an that the pace of an extra pre-season friendly. I've just seen the first half at the time of recording of Tottenham against Everton and there's a bit more impetus in that game. Maybe because they've had more time, maybe because they're just better teams than than West Brom, say. But uh, it was a very odd game to watch knowing that there's actually Premier League points on offer because the first 30 minutes or so was... An essential welcome back to football, which normally happens at the start of the season, but on times two slower, um, on almost rewind. And then it was basically the Leicester City show. Let's keep the ball and knock it around against League Two opponents.
1: Yeah, it was it was the welcome back to football that we all needed, wasn't it, really? Because we've talked about the lack of transfer action. We've talked about the the shortened pre-season which obviously everybody else has had as well we talked about the lack of depth in the squad and and since our last prod, podcast previewing this season Brendan Rodgers has been very open about saying the squad hasn't got the depth that it needs at this moment in time to to compete in all of the competitions that we're going to be in um and then uh, I, I tweeted from the the account just about 90 minutes before kickoff earlier about the that um, those stats uh, in terms of the percentage of supporters that were hopeful for the season. And, and we're 18th out of the 20 Premier League clubs in terms of the fans' hopes for the season. So nothing... And plus the fact that West Brom are a promoted side and it's always a, a, a kind of sticky game to start with, really. Nothing was pointed in the direction of a fairly comfortable 3-0 victory. So for us to be sat on, on the right side of this... It is a real positive. Yes, West Brom, are, West Brom are going to struggle this season. I think one game plus the, the list of their personnel would kind of indicate that they're going to be in a relegation battle, um, bar some kind of miracle. So so you don't read much into it in terms of Leicester's um, uh, sort of level at this moment. But what you do read into it is a... Get some points on the board first game of the season. Get Vardy off the mark, albeit from the penalty spot a couple of times. Your debutant gets man of the match and a goal. Uh, and you overcome a, a newly promoted side who are not always the easiest of, of first game opposite, uh, opponents. So everything is at this stage on Sunday evening. rosy. It was.
0: When we saw the starting line-up, it, it really showed into the cold light of day, essentially, what the problems are. With Leicester at the moment and the size of the squad and where there are holes missing, where there are players missing through injury, when you see the back four line up with Wilfred and Didi next to Soin Chu and then you've got um, Timothy Castagna at uh, at what right back and James Justin on the other side, and you and you and you wondering straight away, and the question was asked on social media whether the fact that that Castagna is playing as a right back um, means that. Is there still time for, or is there still room for um a new left-back being signed? I, I, I still think a lot of people shot that down because it's an easy thing to maybe take from that. I think the fact that Justin has played in the Premier League, played for City before, so he can play on the more difficult side on the left-hand side for both players, presumably, because they're both technically right-footed and would I imagine prefer to play on the right. So Castagna's been given the easy role. Uh what would then happen when Ricardo Pereira comes back? Who would then play left back? Now that's a completely different question or whether there is a change in the formation. We'll wait and see. But but there are there are certain questions there. You look at the midfield three, Mendy playing, obviously NDidi then dropping further back will come on to Mendy soon alongside uh, Prats and then Yuri uh, Tillemans. And then further forward, it all becomes quite normal with your Barnes, uh, Perez and Jamie Vardy. So straight away from the off, you do look at the side and there are the alarm bells ringing when you see Mendy and Ndidi in the same team. And it, it just looked slightly weak. But then once the game started, it it quickly turned into a, a game where I was under I was no impression that Leicester were not going to eventually... Uh, start playing their football. And then when they start playing their football, we know that they're good enough to control the game and create chances and, and possibly win. I was thinking maybe a 1-0 win after, say, half an hour, really, of the first half is possibly where it would go. One or two moments early on, a few misplaced passes in D,D etc. But it was just building up and up and up. And in the end, they put together a really decent spell towards the end of the first half, which... Was the impetus and really just kind of the um, the starter for the main course, which was the second half.
1: Yeah, looking at the starting lineup, you you looked at it and you thought, okay, this the fact that we're already already having to patch things up and and play a makeshift central midfielder, centre back in, in Wilfred and Didi, um, it doesn't bode well for the rest of the season. But what it has shown is the fact that we were able to control, particularly the second half, with that eleven that were on the pitch. And we're able to do so relatively comfortably. Now, Leicester's first 11 slash even 13, 14 players has never been something that's in question, really. You've got a team there, a starting lineup with the odd replacement here or there that could beat most teams in the Premier League on most days. It is the issue of depth when you lose X number of those players for X period of time. Now, Madison managed to drop in from the bench for the last twenty minutes or so. Uh Ricardo we're expecting within the next month or two to be back um in full training and around the first team, possibly ready for selection. Again, Evans is obviously um serving a suspension. So, you know, when those three come back as well, that that that's a strong starting lineup slash couple of extra players, but it is that depth that is that is needed because this is one victory against West Brom that we did take control of particularly in the second half. I think this was the one time where I appreciated Brendan Rodgers tactics of making sure you're in the game at half time. I'm not saying we were passive, but we we certainly turned the screw more after the after the half time interval. Um so this is a time where I was kind of grateful for us to just make sure we were in the game, not chasing it, uh, and then pretty much totally dominated the the second period with the players that we had available and that's really what those players have got to do. Um, you said we'd come on to Mendy. Shall we do so right now? Because I was surprised-ish to see him sign a new deal from from his point of view and from ours. Um, but if you are looking for depth of, of, of players, then why would you let a an experienced professional like that go who's got experience, who's got experience of playing at the highest level in France? Um, and I would imagine he's played some kind of European football in his career as well. Um before he came to Leicester. So it was it was a an interesting that, that he signed a new contract and then he starts ahead of Chowdhury in Leicester's central midfield. And I, I've made my thoughts about Mendy known on this podcast before, but I actually think he was one of our best players today. I think he did his job extremely well. I think he used the ball better than I've seen him do so in most of his appearances in a Leicester shirt. And he certainly justified in today's game why he was worthy of an extra contract extension and and the benefit of having that squad depth because he keeps youngster Chowdhury out of the squad. You would imagine Ndidi would still start ahead of him, but he proves then that he's a uh, perfectly able replacement in that, in that defensive midfield role for if Ndidi is unavailable. It's the perfect performance
0: which... Make sure you ask an awful lot of questions, which when you do, you can instantly give one answer and then the other answer straight away. It, it doesn't really solve anything. It, it posts more questions, which again are, are, are fairly easy uh, to answer. Why did they give Papi Mendy a new contract? For that reason. Is Papi Mendy um, improved as a footballer? No, but he was good enough. Did he give anyone concern when you saw him on the team sheets? yes I think he still does but did he warrant that at the end of the game absolutely not um I think it helped him playing along well not alongside but just in front of Wilfred indeed he could almost tell him what to do but he had a uh, I thought he had a really good game against and I'll say this once again and that'll be the last time against a fairly dreadful opposition they were rubbish. Uh, that was be very alarming for me if I was a West Brom fan very very alarming we are a good side yes but it was a slow game even in the second half when Leicester were dominating it was still a slow game and they were just not at the races so we need to kind of keep the levels down a little bit but um, they were dreadful so he was given plenty of time in the middle of the park he's still not very good with the ball but he's not there for that but his energy levels were really high. He looks obviously completely match fit, which is the argument against Hamza Chowdhury. I can only imagine. Why is he playing ahead of Hamza Chowdhury? Again, another question that you would label with Mendy. The instant answer is, look at the performance he just put in. That is why he was one of Leicester's better players. I would have him possibly in the top three, actually, of, of performances that uh, today would Hamza Chowdhury have played better? I would argue not in today's game. It's a shame because I think everyone wants Chowdhury to start ahead of Mendy because there is a younger local player there who we all want to see really develop into a first-team regular. And I I still think, and I was talking today at work to an Arsenal fan knows his stuff, I know he's an Arsenal fan, but still. And he's a big fan of Chowdhury. And he can't understand why he's not getting to in the game. And I left work I was on the broadcast this morning, just as the team news came through. And when Chowry wasn't there, he wondered why. And of course, you come out with who's match fit at the moment and maybe pick knock up a knock-up, etc. But that question still remains. Against better opposition, I think he will be, be found out, really. But today, not a problem. And it also gives you confidence going into other games against perceived lesser opposition that maybe... He could be the option. But again, on the flip side, you're thinking, well, if they're lesser opposition, then surely Hamza Chowdhury. But these are the problems that you're going to have at a a big club with two players in in each position. But overall, um, I've got a little star next to his name. It was in the second half late on when we are about two up, I think, before the, the third goal. And the game, again, was at a very slow pace. And Mendy was just really impish and quick and closing people down getting back into position all the things he should do but it was quite noticeable in the game and and fair play to him so a good performance by Mendy the first goal um was a really nice goal for on debut Timothy Castagna to score on debut he looks a good player if we come on to him it was um crossed by Dennis Pratt, he, uh, the Belgium, just waffled a, a crossover to the far stick. And, and, and he came in, he's a big lad, isn't he, Castagna? Uh, With a good header. He likes to get forward, as we've been told, and as we've seen in the pre-season game at the King Power uh, last season, when he played for Atalanta. And it was, as they said on Sky, pretty much the perfect debut.
1: It was indeed. We got everything that we expected or that we'd heard about him in that 90 minutes and 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 that's nice when you sign a player that you don't really know uh, and we both admitted that we that we didn't know who he was um but what we'd read and found out about him once Leicester had signed him was was all positive but it's nice that all of that showed itself in the 90 minutes of his debut today you know you sometimes get these players Oh, he's a real flair player or he's, he's great at this, great at that. And you don't see it for a long time or some signings. In, in some the case of some signings, you never see it. Whereas with Castagna, you saw that he was decent defensively, didn't have a lot, um, wasn't tested quite so much as he will be um, throughout the rest of the season, you'd imagine. Uh, but we knew that he he had legs his 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 stamina and his work rate was excellent up and down the right hand side i think there was a couple of times especially second half when you're expecting players to get a bit leggy where he'd gone forward to support the attack and then you you're worried when west brom win it back and you're looking to see where players are in in relation to the the pending counter attack because was already back goal side of the winger he's got great energy um but with, with some kind of purpose as well, which is arguably, and I'm not going to sort of sit here and say that, that he is more effective than Chilwell because we've seen the guy for one game, let's be honest. But I think Castagna wants to contribute to, to forward-thinking football. Whereas one of our reservations with Chilwell was that he was quite happy to make the overlapping runs, but would he actually be able to affect things in the final third more often than not? No, whereas Castagna seems like he's got the confidence and the and the desire really to get involved, and 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 that was proven by the fact that he's got himself in on the edge of the six-yard box to head in a cross that's come from the opposite byline. It was it was a performance that epitomised everything we've heard about him, and hopefully he can maintain that kind of level because he looks a very useful addition for half the price of Ben Chilwell. He does.
0: Obviously, he hasn't played on the, the left-hand side, so we await that. But you look at a play and you just want to see if they're confident, comfortable on the ball. He's obviously a, a, a physical specimen, and, and that was really at the high, um, the highlight of possibly his highlight reel or a list of pros when it comes to him when he arrived. Physically, he's meant to be an incredibly fit guy. Obviously, playing in the wing-back position, getting up and down the wing, you need to be. But um, you can see he's quite tall and broad, and doesn't look to be really phased by anything, and and it was just again the perfect debut. Nothing incredibly flashy, but just everything that you want in a in a debut performance, and to get a goal as well, fantastic. And and Dennis Pratt, it was nice to see him in the second half, turn from the kind of midfield disruptor that we know him to be. He's a very good footballer, playing for Dem- uh, playing for Belgium alongside. Uh, Uri Tillemans and other players in midfield it was nice to see him get forward and become more of a playmaker and he really grew into the game it was nice to see him get his foot on the ball Tillemans as well knocking the ball around very comfortable for him Harvey Barnes (laughs) I mean Harvey Barnes it, it was the classic Harvey Barnes performance on three or four occasions bursting down the wing pure pace and power and either shooting straight at the goalkeeper at the near post or cutting inside and missing the far post. First half, couple of chances should have scored on the first opportunity. Side footed at the goalkeeper. Anywhere else, it's in the back of the net. Second opportunity, exactly the same, and then he scored the uh, the, the follow up. Just a classic Harvey Barnes performance. We need him to get better at score. Uh, uh, we need him to get better at scoring goals. There you go. There's some punditry for you, but he needs to be better in front of goal. He, he just has to be he he should have hit the targets on especially the one that he cut in and then the one which he actually had a shot and it hit the goalkeeper possibly at the near post I might give him a bit of a let off because I'm sure he glanced up to see Jamie Vardy where he was in the penalty area and he was on the floor because he'd just been fouled and it was quite an obvious penalty so I maybe will let off for Harvey Barnes but that those nagging questions have not really been answered over the summer, have they, Rob? They've, what they've been is they've been highlighted and are in now thicker type. They're in bold.
1: Yeah, they have. But was were you really be expecting to be able to answer many questions after the opening game against West Brom, after nobody really knew what kind of level most of the players were going to come back in at? It. I said exactly the same thing about Harvey Barnes to uh, my mate who I went to the pub with to watch the game. I said if he is a very dangerous player because he's so sort of free to take on players whenever and however he feels like. And that is a wonderful trait to have in a winger because it's something that the, the likes of Damari Gray, who are technically probably better than Barnes, just don't have. But he's got a real desire and a real drive and some of the bursts he made down the left-hand side were were, were exceptional. His pace is ridiculous. But if he just had that extra little bit of composure in the final third for for more assists or more goals or more consistently, then we would have an unbelievable player on our hands. But you've got you've got to say he's early twenties, it's first game of the season. Not everybody hits the ground running straight away. Um and, and one thing's for sure, Barnes continues to frighten defenders. And if you've got attackers that do that you are going to be able to create chances one way or another. Certainly, he had, a,
0: he had a good game. It was just the end product, unfortunately. And then for the third goal, James Justin, who I thought had a, had a very decent game, he um, he was fouled, he was tripped in the penalty area and Varley scored the penalty once again. Two well-taken penalties, he said afterwards in an interview with Sky Spots that uh, he practised and put them in the same corner uh, in practice, so he was never going to change the both penalties were great. Both penalties unsavable, really, especially the second one. And um, and, and, and it was a, a very routine and easy win in the end. A great site. And I tweeted out from the uh, official podcast account at FFS Pod. If you're not on Twitter, do sign up and uh, and give us a follow. But at FFS Pod. And um, I tweeted out that one of the best sites, really, was the fact that uh, Madison came on, which was a bit of a surprise for me. And. That was really good news because he, with two games coming up in quick succession from each other, yes, there's a a week's time before the first of which, you'd imagine that in one of those games, he would probably get a start. And that's really good news because we need him back to full fitness. We need bodies on the pitch. I've not yet, as I'm scrolling through Twitter at the moment, seen a reason why Demari Gray, who travelled with Leicester and by all accounts listening to the build-up on the way back uh, from the studios to, for Fox sake, HQ, I heard that he was actually there and and with the team and looked like he was kind of involved, but then wasn't on the bench. So whether something happened in the warm-up or whatever, we don't know. Um, And whether it's come out since, then there we go, it's just the time of recording. But that could be interesting, but we'll just be kind of guessing at the moment. Uh, but Madison, a really good sight to see him uh, get on. It was no surprise to see um, Albrighton come on at the time because we were getting beyond their back line on so many occasions. It just needed someone to, with a decent cross or a decent pullback from the byline. And Mark Albrighton we one of the best players at doing just that. So that was a, a perfect sub, made an awful lot of sense really. But uh, but it was nice to see Madison.
1: It was, and it was a bit... Out of the blue, when the when the squad was announced and he was on the bench, it was quite um, quite good to see, really. Obviously, he was nowhere near in a position to start a match because he hasn't played in pre-season. But he would have been there, let's say, if you're 75 minutes in and it's nil-nil, and you can imagine most of the supporters getting quite frustrated that, that not a lot of creativity has happened. You could bring him on just to say, go on and pull some strings and try a few things and see if you can create something. And, and, and just do that in, in 15, 20 minutes and, and not really have to have full match fitness to, to do that. But it was even better that we were in a the luxurious position to bring him on, which was at the time, I think, 1-0, but it we went 2-0 up as Madison was being readied on the, on the touchline. So it was a luxury to be able to bring him on at that time. And it's a positive that one of our key men is looking ready and available to be selected to start within the next few weeks. With the Damari Gray thing, I'm not sure. Obviously, pretty much every team, well, every Premier League team is going to take more players to a match than they can name in their squad in order to account for injuries during the warm-up, illnesses, whatever. Um, I'm, I was looking at the bench and thinking, well, yeah, if Madison's fit enough to play 20 minutes, 25 minutes, then you'd have him ahead of Gray on the bench. You got Fuchs, who was probably your, your centre half cover. You got Thomas who was your full back cover. Uh, you got All Brighton, who was always gonna make a seven man bench at the moment for Leicester. You got Chowdhury who's the central midfield cover, and you got Inacho who's the striking cover. So it may well have just been a case of that Damari Gray was not needed in that squad, and that's really the position that he finds himself at Leicester City at the moment, despite the fact that he played quite a lot in pre-season and came on in a few games and affected them after the restart. He is, for me, that I, I wouldn't replace anybody on that bench with, with Damari Gray, so it may well just have been a tactical thing. And also the fact that the transfer window
0: doesn't close until the 5th, I believe, of October. That, Rob Hayes, is quite a long time away. And there is an awful lot of water that will pass under the bridge between now and then. On both sides of the road, I will use, that's why I'm strange analogy, of players leaving the club as well as bringing in. We keep on talking about players that we need to sign and and positions that we need covered. But also, there is the possibility of players leaving. And one of the main names on the list would be a player who we both said in our pre-season season season preview and our end of season review for last season a player that we wouldn't mind seeing leaving the club because he would bring in good money that we could reinvest as we've seen many times in in a player who could maybe do better than Damari Gray's had ample opportunities of showing that he could do so we'll have to see what happens with that and to see also what happens with Damari Gray as well because down to him nowadays is. There's the possibility, something maybe wouldn't have happened a long time ago, but where players will really force the move. And I think if if that happened, and this is a completely off the top of my head scenario, but if, if he turns around and goes, right, I'm not in the squad against Burnley, and maybe he's on the bench against Arsenal, for example, in the League Cup, then he would, which you'd imagine he'll probably play in anyway, but, but if he's not then that could really give him the impetus to say to the club, look, I, I really want to go. And and then movements start being made in the transfer market. And if that's the case, I, I wouldn't blame him. Because there's nothing that we've done wrong. There's nothing that he's specifically done wrong. It's just the scenario that's kind of happened in his career. And I wonder whether it's got to the time in his career where, the, where not being included in the first-team squad on the first game of the season after figuring prominently as you said in preseason games maybe is the kind of sign look i'm out of favor here so we'll monitor that but um you mentioned before rob about the brendan rogers press conference very telling a very stern no when asked the question regarding is your squad big enough for four competitions no now Again, plenty of time before the end of the transfer window. I'd imagine loans will come into an awful uh, lot of play late on. I, I think money will be, and well, has been spent, but I think will be tight. And who knows what the world will look like in the next three weeks, whether it becomes even more her, if you know what I mean. And loans become the, the, the thing that happens. And you know, someone like demari Gray, for example, Prime Opportunity maybe, so we'll see what happens, but we do need players, and that's conference by Rodgers. He doesn't do that by accident. That's not a, re- a reaction answer to a question. He knew, first of all, that question was going to be answered, and he's thought about how he's going to answer it in a polite but also fairly forceful way, given a message to both the fans,
1: the press, and also the club. Yeah, you'd imagine of the of the three there out of fans press and club that the club are aware of where Brendan Rodgers thinks the squad are I, I think they will be they will everybody at that club will know that 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 the squad needs some more quality additions before the window closes and that's that's absolutely it. you know some managers you see you don't you, they don't look like they've ever had a conversation with the owners or the or the directors or whatever but I, it looks to me in terms of the way that we know the club has been run since um, since it was taken over, that Brendan Rodgers will be in regular conversation with the powers that be and they'll know, they'll, they will absolutely know and they'll be lining up transfer targets and they will have been for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's I don't think there's any blame that can be laid at anybody's door at this stage. I think it is a message to the supporters and to the press because we ourselves on this podcast last week on our on our season preview were saying the squad doesn't have the the necessary depth to to compete in all of the competitions. Um and then Brendan Rodgers has come out and said that himself and it's nice to to know that the manager feels that too because that kind of reassures us even though we we knew it already. We we try on this podcast to not be too knee jerk. We we know that the club will be looking at the squad and saying it's not deep enough. They we know that they will be pursuing t- loads of targets behind the scenes that we don't know about um but it was nice to just hear that from the manager and to hear it so honestly and to not dodge around the question just to say very bluntly i know our squad is not big enough at the moment yes we're working hard to do something about it because uh, that was probably one of the biggest things that that led to the murmurings of pessimism amongst large a large percentage of leicester city supporters before the season started today. the The lack of new bodies, the the thinness of the squad in certain areas, and he's addressed that vocally, Brendan Rodgers, and we've got a couple of weeks to see if he addresses it with with
0: actions. But also, I I completely agree. I don't think we're in that situation where we've got to manage a manager bleating to the to the club, look, I, I demand more signings. Who is the people upstairs with the purse strings? Who's the director of football, etc. That doesn't happen at Leicester. They all know each other. It's all very harmonious, isn't it? So it's it's not that kind of situation. But um as much as we all know that we need players in certain positions, that's to cover the players who are already uh, missing through either suspension or through injury. But then you've got the, the fact that now that we're, we're playing football, we're, we've started the season. So what happens if, touch wood, it doesn't happen, but Soyuncu gets injured? We we are right in it then. And that's when the kind of reaction signings happen, which we know Leicester don't do, which is probably the reason why we've only signed Timothy Timothy Castanio at the moment. Uh, now, James Tarkovsky at Burnley has been a player that we know Leicester have bid for in the past, around £30 million. And thirty million is what West Ham have bid for. Um, believe and the the rumours are that thirty five million is what probably would get him out of Burnley, which is an awful lot of money, a tremendous amount of money. But if anything was to happen, there's there's your man ready and waiting. There's been a plenty of noise regarding this Wesley Fafana at at Saint Etienne, which happens to be where Claude Puel is. The player's been very vocal and. Claude Poel has labelled it fake news in League Keep, which was very uh, a very nice thing, but then again, I wouldn't read anything that he said that could you know be just either to raise more money or whatever, or or just to keep things under wrap, or who knows. But this is a guy who's only played a genuine handful of games, I think it's less than 30 games in his career, 19 turns 20 in December, played in their recent 2-0 win uh, against Strasbourg, and... Very, very highly rated. Certainly one for the future, you'd imagine. But you wouldn't bring him in as an emergency player. And it's going to cost a lot of money. The rumours are around £25 million. But um, we'll wait and see when it comes to that. But there are things at play here. You saw Vardy go down after closing down the goalkeeper. Everyone all of a sudden holds their breath. Someone goes near Soyuncu, or maybe he goes in for a tough tackle. Everyone's heart's in their mouth at the moment rather than before, because we just don't have the cover. Um, I, I'd imagine they, they would have to make some signings soon, purely because of these games coming up, Rob. We've got, again, a week until the next game, but then they start to come really thick and fast, and those positions are only possibly going to get wider with injuries, because we're still a few games away from Johnny Evans returning. Who knows how long Wes Morgan could be out for. It could be weeks still. Benkovic is out of favour. Rodgers also said in his press conference, interestingly, Benkovic out on loan. No chance or no future at Leicester for Silva, Gazelle and Slomani. So there will be players coming in, but it might have to be sooner rather than maybe the the mad rush at the end of the transfer window.
1: Yeah, the danger is every day you get closer to the uh, end of the transfer window is another day where the selling club can consider adding extra zeros or extra millions of pounds to the, the price tag of their players because the closer you get to that deadline, the more desperate you look, the more likely you are to be able to to get the, the transfer fee that you feel not necessarily reflects the value of a player because I think transfer fees have been inflated and inflated, but it reflects the importance of that player to the club. Now, if St Etienne have got what they consider to be a real prospect on their hands in Fafana... Then why wouldn't they try and get as much money as they possibly can for him if he if he does want to leave? It is it does as you said that the Vardy going down was was one thing, but then you you know you've got Inacio and Perez to to slot in for the short term at least. Although I think we both agreed that we would probably want to dip into the market for another central striker before the window closed. Although it's not top top priority, it has to be a centre back because. If Chu had got injured today, you'd have had to bring on Fuchs and fine, but he's only just back from injury, he's predominantly a left where he's played left side of a three, and and then you'd have a left-back, an ageing left-back, and a central midfielder a centre-half, and that's not good enough for a team that wants to start the season with aspirations of of qualifying automatically for Europe again, which is the situation that we're in, so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks it, it, something has to happen and I'm, I'm more reassured by Brendan Rodgers' words this week than I perhaps was the last time we spoke
0: Now our next game is against Burnley it is live on BBC One from 7 o'clock next Sunday Burnley will be a much tougher opposition than we've seen with West Brom and they have their own way of playing we know all about Chris Wood we know we know what Burnley are like I I like Burnley for a start. I I I like the way that um, they go about things. I like the manager. I don't think they play big, boring football. That's just not the case. It's, It's it's more direct than most, but that's because that's what they have. It's it's. And do you think Leicester, if they put out this team, because that's the team at the moment you can see going out onto that field. There's there's no other changes really you could see being made. Uh, Ndidi's surely going to remain at centre-half are they going to bring Christian Fuchs as a centre-half and push then Ndidi into midfield that could be an option but at the moment that's the team that's going to play and if they have to play Ndidi at the back do you think that that's possibly a, uh, I would say a weakness but because we're playing Burnley do you think that playing Ndidi at the back actually he is probably suited best to be playing against burnley than any other side in the premier league at center half
1: yeah it will be a very different test won't it let's be honest but i think the one the one thing the one positive for us is the fact that burnley haven't really done any transfer business their squad is even thinner than it was last season because they had those those that sort of standoff with a few senior pros about the contracts extensions you know jeff hendricks gone to uh, Newcastle and bagged on his debut. He was a big part of their midfield. I think Burnley are uh, looking the weakest they have in in their recent pr- stint in the Premier League. So it is. I don't think it's quite as formidable a match as as it might have been in previous years. Having said that, their physicality alone will cause us some problems, and. You look at Leicester and we've always said that they're not the biggest of sides. And yeah, Castania scored a header today, but he's still under six foot. So if Burnley, well, I say if, when Burnley go route one, could we be in a spot of bother? Yes, we could. But, you know, we've we've got to try and especially the King Power, try and play play around them. And if we have the ball, ultimately, the more we've got the ball, the less damage they can do to us. So I think it's got to be a way of we've got to approach that with a we're going to go and win this rather than we're going to try and not lose it because i think unless burnley have a decent three or four signings they could be in a spot of bother this season whereas you say as we're looking for three or four extra signings to to deepen the squad so that we can that we can compete at the higher level of all of the competitions we're in so i think we're in a different situ- situation it'd be interesting to see actually the difference it will make with the fact that they haven't played this weekend and they've got an extra week in pre-season to you know get get the the fitness into the legs i guess get the the uh, the shape together it'd be interesting to see and and obviously we don't we don't work in that side of professional football so it would be interesting to know whether people would think that playing this week would be an advantage or having an extra week on the training ground would be? I think
0: playing would be the option. I think getting the the 90 minutes under your belt and as we mentioned with Madison coming on etc the game that we've just played was a, a real advantage, a real bonus. I, I think I mentioned actually Burnley away. It's at the King Power, you're right. I, th- I thought it was at Turf Moor, never mind. So it's at the King Power on Sunday against Burnley. You'd you have to go Leicester win, really. Um, it does slightly change actually because I I had in my head it was away. But uh, yeah, at home it has to be the game that with Leicester on the front foot and and dominating from the start. And who knows what the temperature could be if it's going to be a warm evening next Sunday, whether it becomes a slower paced game. If so, then we are by far a more technical side and if it gets to that stage it could turn into the game today. And hopefully it does because that would suit Leicester at the moment. Um, You're right in terms of, of, of Burnley and their the weakness in their squad in terms of numbers but I think they are so good at picking these players off from, from left, right and centre and I, I think that they do go out on these um inter-games in the Premier League with its uh, 100% in their ears from Sean Dyche and, and, and they always give it their all they, once or twice in their Premier League history they've had uh, some quite bad runs of 8 or 9 defeats on the bounce and then they've turned it around but I think they'll be well up for it and it's going to be a difficult game. They need to look after those big men up top and if they do start pumping it forward then it's something we're going to have to uh, and, and who knows it could be centre-half. We might get a loan signing in by then. It could be a, a case of getting a Bennett back in or someone like that just to deal with those those kind of teams early in the season. But uh, I would still go for a Leicester win. I'd still go for a quite a, a comfortable Leicester win in the end and, uh, and possibly to nil. I, I think Leicester's defence if they hold out it could turn into a similar game as today where second half Leicester go on top possibly nil nil at half time, which is no surprise at this time of the season with all that's gone on so me myself I'm going for um I'm going for quite a routine win but uh maybe not the three I'm going to go for the two so two nil to Leicester for me
1: I think Burnley are effective at what they do um and I think they might bully their way to a goal, but I still think we're going to win. Um, can I see a scoring another three against a team that are usually so defensively resolute as Burnley? No, so I'm, I'm going to say 2-1. Two, 2-1. One.
0: Two, one. And then, because there probably won't be time for a uh, a podcast immediately after that game, we go on to the uh, the EFL Cup third round, and we're playing Arsenal at home on the Tuesday. Although that's not exactly been defined i don't think as yet so we'll wait and see as i looked at the fixture list it had uh, uh, kind of a tbc next to uh, the time etc so but we are going to play arsenal that game just has to be a throw your hands in the air and see what happens there's going to be multiple changes for both sides because they're going to really look at the game in the premier league first and we know we want leicester to concentrate on the cups and i said in the season preview that it might get to the stage where we start concentrating on the Cups if we're relatively safe in the league and with no real chance maybe going up into the top six, for example. But that means we're in the latter stages of the Cup competitions, maybe not the third round. I think there's going to be changes made because everyone's still going to be getting to match fitness. And Arsenal will do the same. And it's it's a fairly difficult game to preview because of that. Who knows, the starting line you could name now... Two sets of 11 players for the game against Burnley and be relatively accurate. We said already that Leicester's team is more than likely to remain as it is unless Fuchs maybe comes in for uh, centre-half and then indeed he moves into midfield. That's roughly the only kind of change that would happen. I don't think Madison will be probably match fit to start. And then for Burnley, you know, you can give it your best shot and and see what predicted lineup, and it will probably be eight or nine at least right. The game against Arsenal, we could name two sets of 11 and conceivably get 10 right overall between the two sides. It
1: it, it could be absolutely anyone. It could, but I think the danger is at at Arsenal that there's a a feel-good factor there at the moment and Arteta has very clearly not closed the door on, on most players, you know, Xhaka has basically had a, a to do with the, his own fans as captain when he's been on the pitch and he's, he's managed to sort of resurrect his career there. Unlike what Arteta's doing there, there seems to be a lot of positivity around the squad and he, it, it, he rotated quite a lot during the restart especially. So I think whereas the Leicester players that you'd be looking at to come in, most of those you would say are second choice in their position... With Arsenal, they started Pepe on the bench yesterday. They started Sabio's on the bench. They've got a decent squad and they've probably got more players who you would consider starters than we have. So their second 11, you would expect, would be stronger than ours on paper and also more integrated with the starting 11 than ours will be. But it'll be interesting to it, that. That kind of gives you as a manager the difficulty of of, of selecting a starting eleven to play that match. It'd be interesting to see when we actually play it because it was scheduled for a week on Tuesday when Leicester Burnley was supposed to be on the Saturday, but since the broadcaster range uh, agreement was was reached for every game to be broadcast, and, and it was the BBC that got the Burnley game and have moved it to Sunday evening, they can't play the Arsenal game on the Tuesday evening. It's going to have to be moved to the Wednesday, surely. And I
0: imagine the problem there is they've already selected TV games for that Wednesday, and the headline game in the third round is Leicester against Arsenal. So that's going to be broadcast. So maybe that's the problem. They don't know when or how. And if there is the game on Tuesday, then there would be more changes, you'd imagine, because of the the, the slow turnaround. So um, so the, the game against Arsenal... I, I think it's going to be a wide open game. Again, who knows who's going to play, but uh, I can see there be I can see it being wide open because of the the nature of the two sides and and the fact that they'll have plenty of changes in this cup competition. I uh, probably a desmond, probably a 2-2 and go into penalties because we're going to penalties straight away, won't it? So, uh a Leicester
1: win on penos. Yeah, I'd love a proper cup tie. I'd love I'd love it to go penalties or for it to be close, to be a few goals. You just, you, really, from that kind of game, are we are we expecting a win? Probably not. Would it be nice to win? Of course it would. You just want really to be entertained, um, especially as you've got to say, although it is one of the more winnable ones, it's fourth in, in, in my personal priority list in terms of competitions this season, the League Cup. You know, we've got to prioritise above that Premier League, FA Cup and and Europa League. So, you know, give a few players a go. Have a go, score a few goals. If it's a penalty shootout as well and you get that drama, good. And if we win at the end of it, fantastic.
0: Now, um, alongside Leicester today, there were Leicester City women playing and they played away at Sheffield United. Got all excited because they scored early. Uh, Millie Farrow scoring for Leicester and then they went 2-1 down. But a late penalty, 89th minutes, uh, Natasha Flint uh, took the penalty away. So 2-2 for Leicester City women uh, and they remain unbeaten then in there. Uh, championship campaign and a few people have, have been asking regarding the Leicester City women and now the integration and regarding the Women's Super League and you'd have noticed over the last uh, especially today this game weekend in the Women's Super League there's been some massive scores Arsenal I think scored nine, Chelsea roughly the same eight or nine and eight or nine different players whether they hit 10 I think um, and instantly I can see a lot of people not kind of liking that and not maybe taking it seriously but you have to understand that there's teams like Leicester for example who hopefully in the not too distant future hopefully this season will get promoted and with the the backing of the football club turn into a a real force in the women's super league Manchester United had that last year got promoted and now they're signing some real big players Tottenham the same signing um, the top goal scorer at the women's world cup uh, Morgan from uh, from the USA after she's just had a baby so some some Teams who have been putting things into place over the last few years uh, with their women's sides, United and Tottenham, are now really making waves. And teams like Leicester, then, if they join these clubs in the Women's Super League, it will then make that Women's Super League ultra-competitive. At the moment, there are three to four teams who dominate. Manchester City, Arsenal and Chelsea, and at the moment there are scorelines like that so that's the way things are going and it's just going to take a few years for this new impetus of money to take effect and how excited is that you know we are on the dawn of what will be hopefully in the not too distant future the norm in terms of seeing scores you will see women's scores come through there'll be a match of the day for the women's super league and if it becomes super competitive brilliant because guess what leicester hopefully will be at the forefront of that and and we'll be right up there with the best so that's just a little thing on the side when it comes to women's football because there are still people out there who who and you don't have to be a fan this is the thing you don't have to be a fan but i i hear it quite often when people you know kind of well essentially slag off the women's game i've always i've always been a big fan but also, I understand the fact that it is a different game. There is completely different game women's football to men's football, I think. I think to try and compare the two is nonsensical. And if you do that, start doing that, you're only going to go down a really dark hole and it's going to take you a long time to get back out of it. Just think of it as two different sports and enjoy both in their own right, and their own setups, etc. And we've got a really good thing going at Leicester, which is brilliant news. And to get this draw keep the run going and try and attract some more players. And who knows what could happen this season in that championship because as much as the Super League is one or two or three really top teams and the rest kind of a real step down, it might not take an awful lot for Leicester to get into that women's Super League. And that will be something that will be celebrated at the football club. Um, And also I can see them putting an awful lot of money into that side once they get Beaver Drive to themselves as well.
1: Yeah, and it's something that the owners would not have considered doing if they didn't want to apply the necessary resources into the women's team in order to provide them with a platform with which to reach the WSL and become competitive in it. You know, it's the, the, the growth of the women's game is, is continuing at a very fast pace. So from a business point of view, if nothing else, for, for our owners, it makes sense for them to back the team properly not just it's not just giving them the, the the affiliation with the club in in name and nothing else. It's not just a gesture. They will want success for the for the team on the pitch because it will further increase the the maybe not commercially to start with, but the global reach of Leicester City Football Club through the arm of the women's game as well. And and just a quick point from me on the women's game, Pete. You and I have worked in it for for many years from. Um, for, for the FA, really, in terms of trying to build the grassroots game, but also working within the, um, the WSL as well. Uh, and we've been fortunate enough to, to have worked out, to have commentated on many very high-level women's football matches. And they're very entertaining. And the, the technical ability on show is very high. Is it directly comparable with the men's game as a sport? No, because there are there are different qualities in the women's game that that you see more of than you would see in the men's game. I think the, the the reason people do compare them is because they're both called football. The objective is eleven players kick a ball towards a certain goal, and yes, all of that is true, but you're looking at different styles of play, different qualities um in the women's game in comparison to the men's game. Um I've always thoroughly enjoyed working in it and, and watching it and and long may it continue, and now that we've got Leicester City women's team on board with the club, uh, with the family of the club, then excellent. it allow us to keep an even closer eye on it.
0: Yes, and I, and I presume all the listeners ag- agree with us. And, and again, if, if, if you do Want to follow the women's side? Absolutely fine. You do still hear, though, some ridiculous arguments, and uh, and it, and it's it's quite frankly ridiculous. I don't know. I don't quite understand it myself. But I again I I always go back to the old adage: think of it as two different sports, and just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for what it is. There you go. Um. So that's the women's side. Fantastic. Um. There is some um some breaking news, Rob. Some very serious and groundbreaking, which is going to rock. To the foundations, the core of the podcast is crumbling as we hear it, as we listen to this. I, Peter Selby, co-host of For Fox 8 Podcast, possibly, not completely, but possibly have changed my mind on the maroon
1: strip. Steady on. Do you know what I thought the breaking news was going to be? I, Peter Selby, co-host of the Fox Eight podcast, was top of the Fox Eight podcast fantasy Premier League overnight. But no, this is this is more significant. I wasn't expecting this. Oh no, no, no. let's go back to what you just said previously. <laughs> no, we'll come on to that.
0: Don't you worry. I've got uh, all sorts of different colours surrounding that on the running order. Um, I don't mind the kit. Possible. It was not during the game. It was when Vardy stood there talking. Jamie Vardy, you know, absolute hero. But he's standing there talking after two goals. He could have said anything. He could have said, you know, he could have called me anything. And I would have been, yeah, it's Jamie Vardy, it's fine. But he stood there in that shirt, glistening in the sun after two goals. And I went, actually, it's, it's not that bad. I'm still... I still don't like it, um, but I'm slowly coming around to it being okay. They used to have the the, the black shirts, and they were, know, they were always a bit poor, really. But um, there we go. Never mind. It's got nothing on the... For me, uh, the pink shirt was a lot better. And also, uh, they had that kind of grey one, didn't they, with the orange badge and the orange uh, Adidas stripes. I like that one. That one and the pink one were the best ones for me. But, um, but there we go. Anyway, on to the old... Uh, FPL the, the the fancy Premier League now we, we won't do the table because there's games playing as I speak. Tottenham are losing at home to to Everton who have looked actually rather good. Um, what's his face? Old old Rodriguez looks like he's just dropping as deep as possible and pulling the old strings. So anyway, what oh wow what a week! Frank Sinclair own goal. That's my side. Uh, just, uh, amazing. Obviously Salah captain. So a million points there. Justin for Leicester. And he got an assist on the penalty and Wilson with a goal, a Bamyang with a goal. All things are coming up rosy in the Frank Sinclair own goal team. Now, whether I'm top at the end of the week, we don't know. But at the moment, I think I'm sitting pretty at the top of the league. I don't know, Rob, where you are because I've only been
1: concentrating on the top of the league.
0: And let's just have a look.
1: Well, you're going to have to scroll quite far because one of the things we wanted to mention mm-hmm. today just to mm-hmm. just to finish off. Can't
0: find you. You, you carry on. I'll, I'll just hum away. We, we 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 Scroll just wanted to
1: say thank you to everybody that's got involved with the fantasy football down. league because we have doubled in size Come this on. year. We had about seventy odd people um, joining last year. We're up to one hundred and fifty this year. Um, at the moment, fantasy football is showing only the points from Saturday, and you'll find me around about the one hundred mark. Peter, I'll help you out. Oh, there we are. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yeah, but. Uh, I've done a little bit better today because I've had Vardy in my team, uh, Dini got the assist and is, as we speak, on course for a clean sheet for Everton. So I'm um, I'm slowly trying to gather some kind of respectability, but uh, nowhere near the kind of f- opening day uh, of fantasy football that you had. So what we will say is because the games are going to come so often, it's going to be difficult for us to do the top 10 on the podcast too regularly, but we'll try um, and keep you updated on social media as well with the top 10s. But obviously you can check for yourself, but it's just nice for you to see your name in the, I say the lights, in the sort of torch of the For Fox Sake banner every now and again. If you do make it into the top 10, you'll get a mention somewhere at some point, and well done to you. But Pete, I would not uh, expect it to be particularly long-lived with you at the top of the table.
0: Well, I, I won't tell anyone that you've got Daniel R. Marty on
1: your bench, put it that way. So, um... And I needed a cheap option. And plus, if you listen to last week's podcast, he's going to get Player of the Season.
0: That's a good point. Yes, oh, it is quite good. And and uh, I know this is only after a couple of games, but um, a couple of um, of game days. But uh, yeah, you, first in that league, first in all the all leagues. I mean, in quite a few actually. There's yeah. Um. So we'll see. Where well, I am, one hundred thirtieth in Leicester. But uh, but there we go. It won't last. It really, really won't last. But anyway, that's the football. Um, that's the. Fancy Football as well. And and yeah, just to reiterate, brilliance and well done to everyone who's entered. You can still enter, by the way, if you go online, if you go on the Facebook group, type in for Fox sake and find us on there. And also if you go into uh, Twitter and you find us on there, you can enter. Don't worry about the fact that if you've not entered now, uh, yes, you're going to miss the first week. But uh, overall, in the course of the season, the good thing about this uh, official Premier League Fancy Football is... It might not make a difference, or it shouldn't really, because there's so many different options with making substitutions, with making transfers and triple point captains, etc. It's not like other leagues where if you miss the first week, then um, you're essentially kind of out of things. So, uh, download the official fantasy football app, or if you've already got it, then enter our league. The code, again, you can find online. I'll read it out, in fact, it's number nine, then V for vinegar, G for um for giraffe f for um fox the number three and then x for x-ray so 9vgf3x or you can find the links again on social media give us a join so if you played and you're thinking oh i've not joined just join us anyway, um, and hopefully, then you can move up the league. Put it this way you're not going to be many points behind Rob after one week, anyway. So, that's the uh, fancy football. Well done to everyone who's got involved. And as you said, great numbers there 150. With, in fact, there's four people who have um, joined who will join next week. So, you won't be alone in joining a week late. So, 154 to date. That's brilliant. Um, if you haven't given us a follow on uh, on the podcast social media channels, once again at FFS Pod for Fox Eight Pod on Twitter and also on Facebook, give us a follow, give us a like, and also on Instagram. Are you a grammar? Is that what you, is that what they call him? Gra- are you a grammar? I don't. Or an know. Insta? I've got no idea why you're asking me. No, I, I realised that as soon as I mentioned it. Although the fact that I don't even know what you call someone who uses Instagram, there you go. But we are on Instagram. Type in for Fox 8 Podcast, or one word, and you will find us on there. And we put on there some audio clips of each episode. It's kind of like a little tidbit beforehand to give people an idea of what the podcast and what the show will uh, sound like. And also uh, just a notification as well when the podcast drops. And that is what we're going to finish on, Rob, which is what the kids say when the podcast drops. Because... With the start of the football season, we mentioned in our pre-season podcast that it's going to be difficult this season because of the regularity of games and games being played over many different days. And who knows what the football calendar will look like with all that's going on outside of football. Um, So we try and become quite regular with the podcast, but we are aware that we don't release the podcast at the same time every week, on the same day, for example. And if I was listening to a podcast and I did not know when it was coming out, it would annoy me. But everyone understands why, because of work and time, etc., and also the games coming up. So what we'll try and do is always try and bring the podcast out on either a Sunday evening, which is quite rare, but there we go. Or a Monday and Tuesday, generally at the start of the week. If it's going to be left any later than that, no, because there's not much point bringing a podcast out on, say, a Thursday or Friday before a weekend game when it becomes out of date. So if it's not with you by on a Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, mainly Monday and Tuesday, then it's probably not going to happen that week. Now, we can sit here right now and easily say, Rob, that with a game coming up next Sunday against Burnley and then a game on possibly Tuesday next week against Arsenal, then there's no chance for a podcast until after that Tuesday game. If the game is played on Wednesday, Rob, then of course next Monday becomes an opportunity to do the podcast with the Man City game the weekend after involved as well. So that's generally how the discussions work. So essentially you can kind of work it out for yourselves whether one's going to happen that week or not. That's how we do things, isn't it, Rob?
1: Yeah, it's, it depends on a lot of things. We want to make sure that the podcast is relevant for as, as long a period as possible, which is obviously more difficult now than it ever has been with the condensed fixture list. Um, there's not really much of a point of us releasing a preview 24 hours before a match because it's it is probably not going to reach as many people as, as we'd like it to. Um and yes, next Monday, if the if the Carabao Cup game gets moved to the Wednesday, in theory is good. But then, you know, we don't know what our work situations are going to throw up between now and then. Um, If we were full-time podcasters, then we'd bring you on whatever you wanted. But we're not. So we, we do our best and we appreciate you uh, tolerating that and finding us when we do release an episode. Uh, and for your kind words, in between. And not many people get on our back, to be fair, which we appreciate. No, that's
0: absolutely true. And also, because of the style of the podcast, and because we talk about other things, you know, the women's side, and we've got in signings, and there's a bit more of an overview of what's going on. Even if you don't listen to the podcast straight away, it's still completely relevant this Friday or this Thursday. Obviously, if some big breaking news happens on a Wednesday, maybe not. But. Overall, it's still a podcast you can listen to throughout the course of the week, which I know many people have maybe their listening day if they go to, say, the gym on a certain day or or whatever. Um, So that's it for the podcast. There's one also little bugbear, Rob, and that is that at the moment, Leicester are joint top of the Premier League. Okay, And I'm a firm believer of not having the Premier League table until after about four games or three games probably is probably about right. After three games... But I've just seen Everton have beaten Spurs and they've just shown the Premier League and they've put us in second behind Arsenal. Where I'm led to believe, Rob, the rules are that you go from points to goals scored to then goal against and the and the, and the goal difference. And then you go on to the games that you've played against each other, etc. We drew... Uh, sorry, we won away 3-0 away at West Brom. Arsenal won 3-0 away. How are Arsenal in first and Leicester second? Uh, alphabetical order doesn't count after a game. It, it actually just doesn't count. So
1: we should be joint top. They should change that, Rob. Rob, do something about it. I think it probably is alphabetical, you know, when when it all boils down to it. But that's proof as to why you shouldn't bother looking at the Premier League table in the first few games. It is, and it definitely
0: doesn't come down to it because every club would just... You, of course it doesn't come down to alphabetical order. That That's just completely wrong, so... It's uh, there would have to be a, a, a playoff or something, but uh, talk about getting wound up about the most minuscule thing that would never count ever anyway. But uh, that's it for the podcast. We've rambled on for long enough, so we'll be back possibly next week, but uh, more than likely the week after. But we'll wait and see, depending on the game against Arsenal in the cup. So uh, we're both going for wins against Burnley, and then who knows against Arsenal, which I think is probably the most accurate thing that we've said all this podcast so once again up the city and we'll see you next time